now we're in this place where it's got this dark side that you're like, oh no, I hate the internet. <laughs> I think it's got a fine line in gaming too. Welcome to the Patch Notes Podcast. I'm Stephen Boydock. I'm Morgan Farnsworth. And I'm Andrew McCluskey. It's been a minute. A few things have happened since we've last spoken, but we're trying to get back into the swing of things. Uh, we built a website, and we're really excited about that. We've got trends reports, podcasts, streams, um, articles we've written, so we're really excited to launch that. But now we want to get back into the actual content creation, so we're back with the Patch Notes podcast. A quick refresher, we're going to do the big three, three big topics that jump out at us, and then we'll go into a lightning round, just some really quick takes on other things that are happening, and then finish with a closing thought. Big three. So let's talk about women in gaming. We looked at uh, the formation of the Queen's Gaming Collective, Mm -hmm. which is a gaming lifestyle company built for women by women. And their mission is to level uh, the playing field in gaming. So on Monday was International Women's Day. So I actually checked out their uh, live stream on Twitch which they just played a bunch of quiplash games, which are always a lot of fun. But as they were coming together, they were talking about how they're usually surrounded by dudes. And so it was different for them to be able to, you know, be in this stream with all women. And they were like relieved by it, Hmm. which I thought was pretty eye opening because, you know, you look at women in gaming and it's it's growing a lot. But there's still so few women that it's it's more isolated. You're surrounded yep. by a bunch of dudes. Like, I mean, just look at our Slack channel at work, right? Um, there's very few women in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. Um, but they kind of talked about how they're just constantly having to work, which I thought was interesting, like how their careers in Twitch and being on social media has kind of turned into its own entrepreneurial job, which I thought was really cool. Like women creating these careers out of gaming, um, which is something that a lot of people don't consider women to be big into. I think the one thing that's most interesting to me in there is the idea of uh, women surrounded by women and that being a normal thing for gaming. Uh, so often when you see a female streamer maybe playing in a you know, Call of Duty Warzone squad with a group of male streamers. It's almost like a compliment to her or or they look at it as a, the audience that is, the general audience, not necessarily my point of view, but it's like, oh, if you're one of the boys or one of the guys, then that's how you know you made it instead of being able to just be who you are, right? Like she can't just be a woman in gaming or just a woman playing video games. It's like in order to get there, she's one of the dudes. Um which is kind of messed up in its own way. When I was thinking about your description of them all together, it's, it's going to have to take these kind of organizations where they are putting the primary focus and the power and the control in the hands of women um, to allow them to create that content rather than trying to uh, follow in the footsteps of their male counterparts. At least that's how I view it. Yeah. You know, as somebody who came from a background, I used to be a producer in gaming and now I'm a producer in the advertising world. And I was the minority in gaming at the studio I was at. At the time, it was like 220 people and there were only 20 women. So in here, you know, in in advertising, I'm in the majority at our agency. So it's interesting when you look at it from that that realm, because it's always a smaller voice in the room, not just because you're a woman, but because 
you're the minority there. Um, and don't even get me started on the minority. There's not a lot of BIPOC yep. <laughs> in yes. gaming or in, in this space, which is what I also love about the Queen's Gaming Collective is it's so diverse. And yep. it was really cool to just see all the different voices talking about it. You know, it, it's empowering to see women creating something for themselves in that space. In the past, especially when I was at a game studio and they wanted to create a gaming for girls, like mini game site, and it was dudes that created it. <laughs> and they ran it by yeah, they ran it by the women at the agent or at the studio after they were done. And it was games full of like baking and styling oh, no. Oh, no. from no. a closet. And the whole site was pink and purple. And we were oh, like, Jesus. what is happening? <laughs> is it 1998 at the studio? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> no, it was like 2012 or something like that. Oh, God. But, did did uh, Burger King do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Too soon? No, nah, they kind of earned it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, but there's just not a lot of a lot of women taking ownership so it's really neat to see them do that especially in the twitch space yeah for me i i'm i'm so happy that more of this is happening because you know as i look at my five-year-old daughter you know there there's part of me that can't wait to start to share this passion with her like get her into gaming um but i immediately go to who are her female role models in the space and that's always one of those, like, you're going to look at who's out there, who's being talked about, who's CEO of what companies, and it's all men and all mm -hmm. white men. And I want her to feel like it is a place that will welcome her and that she can be herself and can get excited about participating, not just, you know, casually, but if she wants to pursue it. Um, it definitely makes me think of, there's somebody that I know, her name is Syra Mueller, and she is the, the founder of an organization called Women of Esports. And what I love about that organization is not to be confused with women in gaming, which is also a great organization. Women in gaming is more like if you're a, a, a gamer and you're a woman, this is a place for you. Women of Esports is really about if you want to get into the profession of gaming and or esports, what they do is they pair you up with a mentor who is a female mentor who has already done that. So you'd go to them and say, I want to join your Discord you know, channel or server, or I want to participate in this. I want to be a professional shoutcaster, or I really want to get introduced into production or what it would mean to run a company or an esports organization. And they're like, we got you. And then they introduce you and pair you up with someone who has already done that. And the idea of that gives me so much hope. And the organizations like you're talking about Morgan, which is not just, oh, that's cool. Like you can game too, but you can actually run companies. And you can do whatever anyone else wants to do and not just, you know, and, and see success doing it. And that to me is gives me hope that that I'm not just participating in a space because I get, you know, I get excited about it, but I'm also a white male. Like I want to be in a diverse place. And I think we've seen in not just in gaming, but in anything else, the more diversity you have, the better, better the ideas become, the more innovation you see, like. The, the world is a better place when it is diversified. So exactly. gaming, I think gaming and its anonymity has allowed it to live 
in the 80s and 50s and whatever more because it is a lot easier to bully somebody with a gamer tag or with sound of their voice the sound of their voice and not like oh i have to attach my own individual person to those comments it's you're seeing more of that with streaming now because people are putting themselves out there but in general like i couldn't walk into a place of business and say that but i can say that as a bully on you know in a game so that anonymity has allowed it to continue and made it more difficult so i love seeing organizations like this where you can i can point my five-year-old hopefully she doesn't start streaming when she's five (laughs) <laughs> but I can point her whenever she gets to that stage and be like, look at how they're doing it. These are great examples. And if you want to go pro, if you want to do that and pursue that, there, there's a path to get there. I love that. Representation yeah. matters, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think the, the easiest example of this is like the, the Black Panther example, right? Of like what that did for black culture and uh, young black kids to see uh, somebody that looks like them saving the world being a superhero right and it, it it seems like a small thing but that's only because you're so used to seeing people that look right. like you be the hero or be the smartest one in the room or be the super successful uh business person right that is why this stuff matters and i, and I think it's great um i'm just i'm still just impatient because i wish it happened <laughs> right you know, five ten fifteen years ago when we realized this was an issue Right. Well, we know it's been an issue for a long time, but like, come on now. We got the resources, the tools. It's 2021. Let's let's get together and get this done. Yeah. And the reality is we still have a, lots of room to grow. Look at that. So, Look at that. A seasoned professional right there. <laughs> she comes in. I don't know. Bam. <laughs> I don't I, I don't. I, maybe we should not say anything because <laughs> clearly it's not. It's only going to go downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. Now you set me up for failure right. uh, because I'm going to talk about a little bit more of like a heady topic. And that's it really revolves around two games right now, uh, which is Fortnite, which a little, a little game, a little indie title called Fortnite and uh, Roblox. Um, and that's how gaming is starting to become the new social media. Uh, and I've read a couple pieces on this and how it ties into like, you know, these games are positioning themselves to be the new metaverse, you know, that that imaginary ready player one style world where you're running around as your favorite anime character and somebody else is Batman and somebody else is Bugs Bunny and you're all doing these missions in this virtual world. Uh, and it seems so far fetched, um, but yet we're getting closer, right? Like, I feel like every month we go and sit down and look at the trends and there's legitimately two or three things Fortnite have done has done that is newsworthy that might be worth talking about that is crossing over into a new medium or working with a new IP. And a lot of these trends, when you look at them, are following the path that Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all took in their early stages. It's building up these massive audiences, keeping people on the platform for large amounts of time. People are investing money in it. That's how they're socializing. That's how they're connecting. Um, I mean, Discord is even a huge part in that, right? How you communicate with people inside of the game. Uh, Fortnite particularly, they bought uh, an app called House Party a couple of years ago, which was almost kind of similar to Clubhouse, except it was like miniature uh, virtual chats of like you hop on a webcam, you're all talking as a group. Epic Games buys it, starts to implement it into Fortnite. Why? So you can enjoy their concerts, their games, and all of the other crazy stuff they do together with friends. Uh, the social element of it, I think, is is crazy. Um, and I would love to know what your guys' thoughts on that. And 
if there's even room to fill in that, because obviously Facebook and those other giants haven't necessarily gone away. Well, it's like that um, there's a sweet spot to it, right? When it's really cool until it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when, I mean, think about the beginnings of something like Facebook or Instagram, and it was like cool and neat. And now we're in this place, or Twitter even. Now we're in this place where it's got this dark side that you're like, oh, no, I hate the Internet. (laughs) I think it's got that fine line in gaming, too, right? Where what if it starts becoming where things are more gated and it's more about or you have to sit through, you know, X amount of ads to be able to get to this concert in the in Fortnite or whatever it is. Like, when does it reach the point of not being as um, available? No, I think it does. I I think. I think there is an element to that, right, of, but in a weird way, and I think what's most interesting about these two games, um, and I would throw Minecraft in here too, I think Minecraft is kind of the original one of these, but they're, I think, less intentional about crossing over with different IP and trying to make it an all-encompassing cultural hub, Um, but the audiences that Fortnite and Roblox in particular are hanging on to are not like the old users, you know how Facebook has kind of jokingly become for your moms and your grandmas to talk about, you know, what's happening in the neighborhood and share recipes. Um, <laughs> whereas everybody's moved on to TikTok and Snapchat and Clubhouse, um, the younger audiences are sticking with these games. So I wonder if it'll be a thing that you age out of, or are they going to just say, "Well, I've been playing, you know, Fortnite since I was twelve or 13. I'm going to keep playing it when I'm 17 and 18 or, you know, 20 or 22, the way we look at Mario or Donkey Kong or any of these other, you know, nostalgic titles for us that we're willing to pick up again, even in our 30s. I think it's going to be awesome for a while. I mean, this is my own personal opinion, but I feel like I always kind of go back to what got us here. And I think one thing that jumps out to me is just the development cycle and how you approach the development cycle of games. For a long time, it was, you know, you spend a year or two years, like, here's the product. It comes out next year. We're going to come out with another edition. It's going to be a different thing, a different thing. And then at a certain point, it feels like, especially with Fortnite and some of those other titles where they said, instead of rebuilding everything from scratch, create a really interesting base foundation of a game. And then instead of our, our focus being on now, let's create something new. It is how do we continue to evolve this and grow this and mm-hmm. and not throw away our entire community and hope that they like the next iteration. It's let's take what we're learning. What do people, how are people using it? Like, let's give them some options. Oh, like we put this thing in front of you and now you're hanging out. Now you're doing these other things and you learn from what they're doing. And then you start to add more of those elements, those social elements. Oh, maybe you'd want to listen to a concert. Maybe you'd want to watch a movie premiere here. So they're, what they're doing is now, instead of the game development being like year to year, tear down, build up, it's like, oh, let's just continue to evolve it. And I feel like that is something that really gets into what social platforms have tried to do. And it goes back to your original question around like, how long do we think this is going to sustain? And that's why I feel like it has more staying power. Um, how long is it going to be cool? I don't know, but I think it's going to be around for a long time because the companies that you're talking about are constantly looking at how can we evolve? How are people using this? What do they care about? What do they not care about? Because they're, everything is built on a foundation of evolution, it doesn't feel like something that is like a one-trick pony and then eventually people are just going to be like, 
okay, I'm just over it. Like that's right. that's why I feel like it's kind of it's gonna it's gonna stick around. When yeah. when you describe it that way, Stephen, it sounds like basically like an MMO, right? Right. <laughs> In an MMO, yeah. they launch it and then they just keep opening worlds and adding new things, and uh, that's the kind of game I would love to work on. <laughs> Everything comes back away. to World of Warcraft, right? Like yeah, World of, of Warcraft. Or like the first game I ever worked on was Wizard 101, which a lot of people probably haven't heard of, but it's still out there. And yep. and that launched in 2009. And it's an MMO that was like meant to be, you know, a World of Warcraft kind of thing for kids. And it's they're still growing it. They're still expanding it. Um, it has lasting power, especially when you when you hook people into it early. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I use Roblox and Fortnite and Minecraft as examples of, um, I would almost look at them as like the platforms of social media, right? But like gaming as a whole, I think is replacing a lot of the elements that we sought out social media for, right? Like event organizing, uh, that's all built into Discord now, right? Um, just general socializing what better way to socialize than playing games with your friends? I mean, and I think that, you know, obviously this period during the pandemic has shown that gaming has become the new getting together, um, going out for a drink. You know, you can stay in and um, pop the headset on or hop on a Zoom call and play a game. There's, there's virtual tabletop simulator, which, simulator, which lets, lets you play pretty much any tabletop game known to man. I mean, um, <clears throat> we're in a really weird state where I think all of these social media sites are constantly battled to hold your attention, right? That's the goal. What can we add here? What live streaming functionality? What um, custom content that only you can get on Facebook or Snapchat? Um, but at the end of the day, it's not holding attention as much as gaming is. I mean, it's a reason why when, I, I think it was a couple of years ago, right? Netflix CEO said our biggest competitor is Fortnite because it's an attention economy. There's only so much, so many hours in the day and where people are, uh, turning their eyeballs is going to be where the money goes. And right now, um, I think gaming is checking all of those boxes. Love it. Uh, all right, so I got the last topic. And for me, uh, and if you know me, you've heard me talk about this because I'm obsessed with them. It's Tencent. For those of you who are listening and don't know, it's basically a Chinese holding company that has its arms in just about every aspect of technology and especially gaming. Five and a half billion dollars in revenue per quarter in gaming, which is more than Apple and Sony combined in the category. Quarter over quarter, they are just killing it in terms of growth. They're building their own island in China. Things are going so well. Um, they're consistently ranked as one of the most innovative companies. Their subsidiaries, the thing that, that fascinates me and why I'm just totally obsessed with them is they just continue to buy properties and subsidiaries where instead of saying, and they do some of their own research and, and development, obviously, but instead of just saying, okay, we're just going to do it all ourselves, all they do is go, that group's onto something, let's invest in them. That group's it. And they just continue to buy and buy and buy. And that's why I'm just obsessed with them. Like, for example, they own 100% of Riot Games. They own 40% of Epic Games. They own part of Activision, Ubisoft, Discord, Roblox. And these are just the US-based companies They've got hundreds of other ones, US-based and beyond that, and not just in, you know, in gaming. They're also part of music. They're in social networks, e-commerce, smartphones. Like, they're in everything. And yet, 
if you walked out on the street right now and asked just about anybody on the street, like, what do you think of 10 cent? Probably nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 people are going to go, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And I, that just fascinates me. And I have some theories, but I want to get y'all's takes as well, which is one that they're not based here. They're not a U.S. company. And so we just don't we aren't as familiar with them. But the second one is because so much of their the consumer facing properties aren't Tencent. It's Epic. It's Activision. It's Discord. And so you don't know that they're the owners of those companies. And yet, like when you look at their stock price, it's only $85 compared to some of the other people who are out there who are just, you know, stock price obviously is not just the only indicator of growth, but it feels like this best kept secret in gaming, even though the rest of the world knows about it. And it just blows my mind that they're in so many things and yet they're not a household name here. I mean, you can see how much I prepared for this by the fact that I just Googled while you were talking and found an article from the BBC about what is Tencent. And just from your description and not reading the article at all because I was listening to you instead, it's kind of scary to me. Like, what do they do with all those shares? Is it just to make money? And they build a city in China, I think is what they do. Like, it's like a fascinating example because it's the kind of company I think here in the United States, I do not think that you could do this. I am not a legal expert, so I can't. <laughs> Why not? Come on. I, so the thing for, from a business standpoint, I think if this was a business podcast, we would have a fascinating conversation about what, what this all means and whether or not it's ethical, legal, whatever. Uh, that I do not know. From a gaming standpoint, uh, a couple things is one, they've only been doing this for like 20 years, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, that's not very old for a gaming company, uh, especially one that has um, uh, kind of crept its its fingers into so many different um, you know pies. Like there's there's so much across the industry that they're touching. But I think the one thing that they do incredibly well is recognizing those trends. Right? It's almost like you can use them as a tastemaker, where what they are doing, what they are investing in, it's typically going to be a good idea. You know, they haven't had too many misses. And even when they produce some of their own stuff, and they've done a lot of like mobile game, especially abroad and back in China, which um, in Asian markets, not that mobile gaming is small in North America, but Asian market mobile gaming is insane. It is a ton of money. Um, and they are designing games specifically around that. I believe that they fully published the Call of Duty mobile game and maybe PUBG as well. Yeah, so they know They're mobile gaming. $500 million dollars a month, by the way. Yeah, it's and it's an insane amount of money, right? That's wild. So, so from my perspective, it's one of those things of I, I I think that my fascination with them comes from what they're investing in, right? Is like yes, obviously it's insane to you should look up the specs, Morgan, for their like idealized city where they basically want to create like full apartments and no cars and streets and restaurants and shopping and then have their employees all live there. Um, which it's again still comes scary with, the, to me. with its own set of scary ethical dilemmas. Uh, but from a gaming standpoint, I mean, just looking through some of the list of things that they're touching and doing, it's hard to have a better batting average than Tencent does right now. So what I'm hearing is I should be afraid of them, but also they can tell me what's going to be cool next. I think so. I, I think that's honestly it is, is I, I don't know what the end game is. Other than, you know, 
making money. Uh, I don't think there is a, a, a significant end game other than maybe being the most dominant force in gaming. You know, Activision Blizzard is an incredibly large company with some very, very popular titles, but it's not even anywhere close to what Tencent is doing. Lightning round. Ooh, lightning scary. Uh, let's move on to the lightning round. So first up is Andrew, TikTok and gaming. What are your thoughts? This one is really simple. Uh, I am much like the rest of the world fascinated by TikTok. I scroll through far too much and waste too many hours. Uh, but one thing I've noticed, um, specifically because how the platform works and how it identifies your interests, uh, it has become a fantastic way for content creators to market their streams, market content, because you can take a clip that is somewhere between 10, 15, 20 seconds of your stream. And even if your stream had five viewers, if that clip is funny or interesting, it can reach tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people on TikTok and drive them directly back to your stream. I've, I've seen it happen as somebody that watches Twitch a lot. Huge streamers like Tim the Tapman are using uh, loadouts from, for Warzone from TikTok streamers or playing with TikTok streamers on their, on their stream. And I think it's always the content creators that are on to trends first, but I expect that you're going to see major gaming companies and major game releases that are set for 2021 and 2022 really start to leverage TikTok. Yep, I think just TikTok is coming for blank industry, probably <laughs> mm -hmm. a, a good thing. Uh, to watch out for. So, uh, all right. Next up, VTubers. Morgan, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's kind of awesome and also a little scary. Awesome because I feel like I'm the type of person that hates to be on camera. So I might actually Twitch stream or do something if I am not having to make myself look nice or actually show my face. And did I say scary? I think I said scary. I'm saying I think you said scary. It, it is a little scary. Scary it because is. you don't know who could be behind that right face. Like it could it could go to dark places. Yes. But that just shows where where my brain goes because I've gone to the dark place now. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the thing? They always start out really right. useful and helpful and then somebody comes in and ruins it. This is yeah. the argument that you just made, Morgan, about social media. Starts out really cool, used for good, <laughs> and then we ruin it. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. And the last one I will take, which is Razor's new smart mask. So they had this Project Hazel initiative, which was really recognizing challenges. They first started by just manufacturing, putting their, their plants to good use and manufacturing a lot of just N95 masks for people in need, just the standard mask. And then they said, let's take it a step further and create this smart mask where they said we want it to be here so you can see people's face where I'm going to have audio amplification because usually when you have a mask, it's harder to hear somebody. Um, and so they just created this. It's a prototype. I think they launched it or shared it at CES. Uh, whether it actually hits the market or not, I think what, what stuck out to me and was interesting to me was it was a recognition from a gaming company that gamers do more than just game. Clearly, a, like a mask during COVID is not gaming related, but they realized that their gamers are human beings and need to go out into the world and how can we make those humans' lives better? So the fact that a gaming company took the time to think about more than just gaming for their own target and their own fans and customers, I thought was really cool, really smart, and uh, bravo. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts real quick. Morgan. Women in gaming rule. 
Tencent is scary. <laughs> and I would definitely VTube. I thought for a second you were going to go like a nursery rhyme angle, like a, like a <laughs> roses is red, violets are blue. I thought we were going to get that. <laughs> My final thoughts, I am definitely also scared of Tencent. Um, I think anything that is either big or changes really fast just naturally scares humans, um, which is why VTubers are scary. But I am pretty convinced that just about every kid will have a Fortnite or Roblox account. Yep. Uh, for my closing thought, it's actually not going to be gaming related. So I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn. It's really as things start to open back up. Here's what I would ask. Learn lessons from COVID. So don't just go back to being same person that you were there. I think there's going to be a tendency, you know, right now, we're like, no, no, totally. We're going to, you know, we'll continue to be nice to each other. We're going to continue to wash our hands, whatever. And then as soon as things get back to normal, it's like, ah, we're just, we haven't learned anything. We go right back to it. Try to learn some lessons from COVID and use those in the future. Wear a mask, wash your hands all the, all the time. It's never a bad idea to wash your hands. They might get a little dry, but there's, that's what lotion is for. You can moisturize. That yeah. should be our closing thought. That should be the title of the podcast. <laughs> wash wash your, hands. your hands. This entire thing was propaganda just to get you to the payoff. We did it, everybody. Wash that's your right. hands. <laughs> gotcha. If you've stayed or if you stuck around for 30 minutes to listen to us, we got you. This is a CDC <laughs> announcement. We got, we got him. Yeah, we're well, in the we're, we're in the wallet of big hand soap, you know, like that's <laughs> exactly. Oh man! Well, thank you guys for joining. Um, this is awesome, Morgan. Welcome to the team. Really excited to have you. Clearly, I'm... you're more experienced at this than we are <laughs> with what you came in on with today. Yeah, so, I mean, we pretty much that. ramble. So, yeah. good job. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. <laughs>